This is The Sun Also Rises here on KPCG-FM. I'm Jeremiah Jacques. Have you ever noticed how much people love stories? The beginning, the middle, and the end. The conflict and the resolution. The denouement. The character development. The rise and fall of the story arc. When the characters surmount seemingly insurmountable obstacles to succeed in the end. We love that stuff. We love stories. And there's one type of story that a great percentage of people seem to have a particularly strong love for, and that is superhero stories. If you look at the list of the top 100 highest grossing movies of all time, 19 of them are superhero movies, as defined in the narrowest and purest sense of that word. And if you expand that definition a little bit to include movies that feature protagonists with any kind of superhuman abilities, that would include Jedi and uh, elves and all of that kind of thing, then the number grows to 59. 59 of the 100 highest grossing movies of all time feature characters with superhuman abilities. These kinds of movies really have taken over the theaters and the movie industry. And it's not just the movie industry either. If you take a look at bookstores, TV shows, magazines, and video games, you'll see that this trend spills over the banks of cinema. It saturates the floodplains of the entire entertainment industry. So the question is, why? What is it about this type of story that makes people want to put on a brightly colored leotard and yell flame on? Why are superheroes and superhero stories so massively popular? One defining feature of this type of entertainment is that the characters possess superhuman abilities, by definition. They have powers such as telekinesis, super strength, invisibility, extrasensory perception, weather manipulation, astounding speed, teleportation, immortality, x-ray vision, elasticity, power to regenerate or resurrect, kinetic energy manipulation, and of course, the ability to fly. Even the few superheroes that are technically just human, guys like Batman and Iron Man and even Sherlock Holmes and Katniss Everdeen, even these characters who are technically human are larger than life, and they display superhuman traits. They have astounding fortitude and martial skills. They have bewildering intelligence and apparently almost divine protection. In many cases, they have advanced technology that differs from magic simply because the author who created these characters says so. So despite the absence of radioactive spider venom or super soldier serum coursing through their veins, these real-world characters consistently perform at a level far beyond the ability of even the most testosterone-fueled and brilliant real-life person. So they are still superheroes. 
Before we dive into the question, why are we so fascinated with these superheroes and with superhero stories, I'd like to spend a little bit of time showing you that this fascination is not a new phenomenon. Turning these larger-than-life characters into hyper-realistic, special effects-laden blockbuster movies, that is a relatively recent trend. But mankind's fascination with super-beings is ancient. And it's nearly ubiquitous, too. It's a fascination that has left a Herculean footprint on just about every culture that has come and gone for thousands and thousands of years. I mean, how is the Marvel Comics universe actually different from the pantheon of Greek gods and goddesses? How are DC's heroes any different from the beings of Roman mythology, or the Mesopotamian or Norse mythologies? If you look a little below the surface, you'll see that there are far more similarities than differences between our modern superheroes and all of these ancient mythological beings. And it's actually quite common for modern writers to lift characters straight out of the pantheons of those ancient cultures. DC Comics lifted Hercules, the demigod, out of the lore of ancient Greece and made him a recurring feature of their Wonder Woman story. And even Wonder Woman herself is based heavily on Athena, ancient Greece's goddess of war. And then there's the Avengers movies, which include Thor and Loki and others. Those are ancient Norse gods. Those exact same heroes and villains were providing fodder for stories told around campfires in Iceland and other parts of Scandinavia thousands of years ago. And then there's the Flash, who is heavily based on Hermes, and the archetypical sky god Superman. He's kind of an amalgam of powerful warriors like Zeus, Hercules, and Achilles. The point is, the idea of superheroes is not some 20th century or 21st century construct. Comic books may be relatively new. The first one of those was printed in 1842. It was called The Adventures of Obadiah Old Buck. But the type of superhuman characters that comic books and superhero movies feature have been roaming the scene really since time immemorial. In fact, the second oldest work of literature known to mankind is called The Legend of Atana, and it dates to the year 2600 BC. And this text details the heroic exploits of a king from Samaria who is said to have ruled for 1560 years and he could fly up to the heavens when he wanted to. One of the next earliest surviving documents is the Epic of Gilgamesh. That's still widely read today, and it recounts the adventures of the king of Uruk. And this guy, Gilgamesh, meets every modern criterion of the superhero. Part god and part man? Check. Strong enough to move mountains? He sure was. Able to swim to the deepest part of the ocean and back to the surface without a single breath? No problem. And Gilgamesh was also pitted against a supervillain, a, a superhuman arch-nemesis, at least until the two reconciled their differences and became comrades. 
And at that point, they teamed up to carouse and to slay demigods. The plot line of this ancient text would really hold up against any modern X-Men movie. And then there are plenty of other ancient texts about what we might call superheroes, too. There's the Egyptian Tel of Senuhe, the Babylonians Enuma Elis. There are India's epics about Krishna. There's China's What Confucius Didn't Speak Of. And there's the Japanese Nihon Shoki. And then there's the Anglo-Saxons' famous epic poem about the superhuman Beowulf. And the list really keeps on going to infinity and beyond. And history shows over and over that as soon as a given society would outgrow its fascination with its pantheon of mountaintop-dwelling sociopaths, it would sort of reinvent those super-beings in new forms. In the West, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table came to fill the superhero's role. And then came the explorer legends and the musketeers. And then the super cowboys and tall tale heroes. For Eastern cultures, the interval between gods and superheroes was filled with samurai and ninja myths. In some of these, the the samurai or the ninjas could control weather. They could walk on water. They could become invisible in all kinds of other extraordinary powers. The evidence shows that stories about superhuman beings have been around for about as long as human beings have been around. In time, the capricious kryptonite of pop culture fads ends up slaying each set of gods or heroes. But like a phoenix rising from the ashes of its old self, the idea of superhuman characters is reborn and recreated again and again. So why is the fascination with immortality and other superhuman abilities so universal? When we come back, we'll discuss the answer to that question. You're listening to The Sun Also Rises on KPCG-FM. Send us your comments and feedback at tsar at kpcg.fm. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion about why people are so fascinated by stories about superheroes. Welcome back to The Sun Also Rises on KPCG-FM. You can hear us at 101.3 on the FM dial here in Edmond, Oklahoma. And the live stream is available all around the world just by typing kpcg.fm into your internet browser. You can also get the show as a podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud, or listen on thetrumpet.com just by clicking on the radio tab. In this episode, we're discussing why people love superhero stories so much. We're discussing why we are so universally fascinated by stories of beings that are superhuman and have immortality and other superhuman abilities. A part of the answer is because people through the ages and all across the globe have wished to break free from the limits of our finite human existence. 
As American author Judy Picoult said, superheroes were born in the minds of people desperate to be rescued. So people want to be rescued from mortality and from ordinary lives and from the limits of human existence. Some of that reflects a simple desire to escape the challenges that come with living life as an ordinary mortal man or woman. But in many cases, there may be something more behind this desire and this fascination. In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, King Solomon wrote that God has put eternity into the hearts of mankind. Eternity is in our hearts. What does that mean? One commentary Barnes notes on the Bible says this, God has placed in the inborn constitution of man the ability of conceiving of eternity, the struggle to apprehend the everlasting. So our creator planted within us a longing for something beyond ourselves. There's a longing within us for something transcendent, something superhuman. If you read the context of this scripture, it's clear that this yearning is actually a longing for God. It's actually a desire to have a deep relationship with Him, and a desire to realize our potential with Him. And that potential is truly incredible. At present, we're just men and women. We're mortal, physical, earthbound, and sustained for just a few decades by food and water and the air that we breathe. We can't fly or turn invisible or pick up objects with mind power. But our hearts are filled with eternity, as Ecclesiastes 3.11 says. We are filled with a longing to be exceptional, to be immortal and superhuman. Our bodies are bound by reality but our imaginations are not. And superhero stories attempt, in a sense, to peer into the great gulf between the two. In Hebrews 2 verse 7, the Apostle Paul explains this massive gulf between man's current state and our incredible potential. It says that God created man to be, for a little while, lower than the angels and that God crowned man with glory and honor and appointed him over the works of God's hands. That's the New American Standard Version of that scripture. And then in verse 8, Paul says God has put everything in subjection under mankind's feet. For this subjecting of the universe to man implies the leaving nothing not subject to him. That's the Weymouth New Testament version. And it's an astounding truth. It's saying that God created men to start off as physical beings, significantly less powerful than the angels. But we are to be in this physical state only for a little while. Our long-term, eternal purpose is to be born into his family and to become more powerful than the angels and one day to rule over the entire universe. But that breathtaking future is reserved for 
born sons of God. And as Paul explains in the next sentence, man is not yet born into God's family. He says, but we do not as yet in our present physical mortal state see the universe subject to mankind. This truth has really perplexed and irritated many people who have heard it. Back in the time of Christ, for example, some 2,000 years ago, the Jewish people became very upset when Christ told them that he was the Son of God. After seeing how angry they were, Christ quoted a passage to them from Psalm 82. And it's a passage that he knew the Jews would have been really well acquainted with. Christ said, Is it not written in your law, I said, You are God's? That account is recorded in John 10.34, if you'd like to take a look at it. And I'd like to read something to you written by Mr. Gerald Flurry. He's the host of the Key of David program here on KPCG-FM. And this is an excerpt from his book called John's Gospel, The Love of God. And he's writing about that account in John 10.34. He writes, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, said to the Jews, Why are you so upset when I tell you that I am the Son of God? Look, it's right there in your own Bible that you are God's. You all have the potential to be God with a capital G. That's an incredible truth, but it's one that you don't hear very much discussion about. The Apostle John wrote some specific details about the transcendent potential that men and women all have. In 1 John 3, verse 2, he wrote, It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when Christ shall appear at his second coming to earth, we shall be like him. In other words, we will look like the glorified, eternal spirit being, Jesus Christ. And what does that glorified Christ look like? Well, if you read Passages such as Revelation 1, 14 through 16, Revelation 19, 12 and 13, Matthew 17, 2, and several others, you'll see that his eyes blaze like flames of fire. His feet glow like brass in the refiner's fire. His face shines like the sun in full strength. This shining is so intense that it would blind a man's eyes and kill him if he looked upon it. So it's clear that God is infinitely more powerful than any fantasy creation from the imagination of men. He's far more radiant than the superheroes that we create in our books and movies. And the even bigger difference is that while the superheroes in our movies and books are governed by deeply flawed human character, God has perfect character. Any person who is born into God's eternal family and who becomes one of those radiant, staggeringly powerful and immortal God beings will not only have God's glorious appearance and power, but will also have perfect godly character. Part of the reason that the cultures of the world continuously create superheroes and other super beings, springs from the longing for eternity that God planted in man's heart. 
It springs from that capacity that we all have to ponder the infinite and the superhuman. But of course, fantasy characters are missing the key dimension of character. The adolescent fascination with fantasy tends to focus on the power while overlooking the perfect, righteous, and godly character that God requires an individual to develop before he will give him that power. Every person has the dazzling potential to be born into the God family and to undergo that dramatic transformation to become a God, a God who rules the universe with ineffable power for eternity. But to do so, we must strive to develop perfect godly character. If we set our hearts on the reality of our true potential, we'll come to see that it's infinitely more transcendental than anything that can spring from a man's imagination. I'm Jeremiah Jacques, and we're coming to the end of The Sun Also Rises on KPCG-FM. That's 101.3 on the FM dial here in Edmond, Oklahoma. And the live stream is available all around the world by typing kpcg.fm into your internet browser. Please visit thetrumpet.com today to order a free copy of the book that I mentioned, John's Gospel, The Love of God by Mr. Gerald Flurry. We would love to send you a free copy of that. So just go to thetrumpet.com and click on the literature tab there, and you'll see it in the list that comes up. We really appreciate your listening today, and we hope that you'll give us your feedback and comments. Just email tsar at kpcg.fm. I'd like to thank the KPCG operations manager, Mr. Dwight Falk, and the technical crew. And I'll leave you with these words from the Scottish writer Grant Morrison. We love our superheroes because they remind us of who we are and what we wish we could be. (laughs) 